0: our title this morning is Hear the Angels Sing and there's a little bit of a backstory to this which I find interesting and you might Um, and I've got the microphone so you know, tough Um, but it's about rehabilitation of the Christmas carol I I have a bit of a love-hate thing going on with Christmas carols but the hate's largely in the past and the love's largely now really But actually, there's been a lot of research done about Christmas songs. So uh, here's one I found. Um, This is responses to hearing various Christmas songs. You'll see that White Christmas by Bing Crosby, uh, 41.2% of people hearing it feel very relaxed. Whereas uh, and Wine by Cliff Richard, over 56% of people listening to it find it very stressful. (laughs) I hope Sir Cliff isn't listening to this. But actually, uh, Christmas songs, they're sort of they're part of the season, aren't they? From about mid-November at the, at the latest, they're on in pretty much every song. You can tell the people who do their Christmas shopping in physical shops because they have a sort of involuntary twitch whenever Thank God It's Christmas comes on because they've heard it pumped out in Primark for the last two weeks. So Christmas carols, Christmas songs, they, they have varied quality. Um, my absolute rock bottom Christmas song moment was um, a date with Caroline where we went to Café Rouge really pushing the boat out and it was around about Christmas and somebody had put on, I can only describe it as computer generated carols it sort of sounded like one of those you know, uh, jumpers where you press the button and it plays the carol but it was like that for 45 minutes of different carols and that was, that was my rock bottom um, But actually carols have also, they've been a barrier for me in the past, I have to say. I I really like mince pies. They're possibly my favourite thing um, to eat. And Hark the Herald was what always stood between me and the mince pies, because until we'd sung it, we didn't get to eat them. So for a while there was a little bit of a, you know, something to overcome there as well. But all of that said, there was definitely a a sort of a, a redemption when I started actually listening to the words and so what I want to say today is just as a starter is there's an awful lot of tradition around about Christmas and some of it can be really helpful. I realized a little while back that there's just a beautiful declaration of the gospel at the end of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It, you know, hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. I mean, what about that? And people are singing it voluntarily, even if they don't know Jesus. This, it's brilliant. There's some real treasure here. And uh, I found myself thinking about this morning, thinking about um, it came upon a midnight clear. Anyone wave a hand if you know it came upon a midnight clear? Not, Maybe one of the better knowns, but you hear it occasionally, and uh, and it has this repeated refrain of "Hear the angels sing," and it got me thinking, and that's that's been the inspiration for today's talk. So, I want to give you um, three tips for a meaningful Christmas, and they were sort of semi-inspired by the Christmas song. Um, or the Christmas carol, rather, it came upon a midnight clear. But really, they're more rooted in Scripture than in carols, hopefully. The first one is this, that God's traditions have a purpose. You read a lot of traditions that um, are instituted throughout the Bible, something like in Leviticus 16, it talks about the Day of Atonement, this time when Israel's sins will be noted and then dealt with um, and and washed away. And there's various sort of rules and regulations around the day. The people of Israel have to deny themselves. They have to um, sort of keep a, a day of humility, and not just as a tradition. It says because you know deny yourselves because that day atonement will be made for you when jesus uh, celebrates the last supper he says do this not just do this because you know it's a nice tradition do this in remembrance of me god's traditions have a purpose actually thinking this way is not new um the book of common prayer which dates back to the reformation has a section right at the beginning where um, Archbishop Cramer tries to lay out why it is that he's kept certain things from the old traditions and why does he's chucked some things out. And he, he comes up with three ways of dealing with human tradition. He says sometimes human traditions started well, but then they've kind of got corrupted over time and become vain and superstitious, are his words. Um, he says some human traditions have just crept in unwanted So I'd say, you know, things like I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus would go in there. Um, Some human traditions have crept in unwanted, have taken root and just need to be wholeheartedly rejected. Um, So some started well, became corrupted. Some crept in when we didn't really want them. We need to chuck them out. And he says in some traditions, they're, they're human traditions, not God's ones, but they still have a value in building us up and doing us good. And we should embrace them. And that was his preface to the, the Book of Common Prayer. It's an interesting read. What do those traditions look like for you? What are your family traditions? Um, a couple of years running at Tinsel Community School, we've done Chris Stingles. Christingles are a great tradition and you you can just kind of get involved in the the atmosphere, you know, they dim the lights and kids come in holding candles and sometimes singing and it just looks really pretty. But actually the Christingles got all of this meaning around it. Um, You've got a red ribbon going around an orange that's supposed to be like the blood of Jesus encompassing the whole world. You've got um, the candle on top because Jesus is the light of the world and so on. There's There's a meaning in that tradition. I've already said, the carols, the words of the carols have have got real meaning in them, many of them anyway. And if you stop and get perhaps through the slightly old word of English, there's there's good in there that you can actually not only allow you to do you good, but you can also talk to other people about, which is great. Um, Advent calendars, like this one here. Do you do advent calendars? Wave a hand if your house does advent calendars in some form. So, Advent calendars are a great way to, to make something that's just a tradition come to life. Uh, we were given uh, an Advent calendar by Caroline's mum, which instead of just having chocolate behind the windows, it has little pockets that you can put things in. She's put in little scriptures for each day, parts of the Christmas story, and a little jigsaw piece of a Christmas scene. But it's something that means we're not just like, oh, quickly, let's get the chocolate for today. But actually, there's a cause to reflect. There's a cause to say, what is it that we're looking forward to? Why is it we, we celebrate Advent in the first place? And I just want to say that for this to work, we need to build in time. If we were to read on through the Luke passage that we saw the video of earlier, right at the end, after... There's been all these sort of visits from people and all this amazing stuff going on around the the birth of Jesus. It just says, but Mary treasured these things in her heart and thought of them often. There's time needed for that, isn't there? So I just want to encourage, my, my first tip for today is rest and remember this Christmas. Stop Style back the activity and remember why it is we do what it is we do what is the meaning behind all the traditions, why is it we gather family, why is it we open presents, where does all this come from, let's stop and rest and remember ok, that's my first one my second one then Yeah, I thought that was going to be too small. Okay. Um, so we have a couple of Psalms here. If you want to open your Bibles to Psalm 104. Because Christmas is a time of celebrating God's goodness. And this is there's this wonderful section sort of in the middle of Psalm 104 and, you know, Do Bowman's read the whole thing. We're just going to read this section, verses 10 to 15. And it says this, "'He makes springs pour water into the ravines. "'It flows between the mountains. "'They give water to all the beasts of the fields. "'The wild donkeys quench their thirst. "'The birds of the sky nest by the waters. "'They sing among the branches. "'He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. "'The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work.'" He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. And it's just this wonderful passage about the provision of God. And it's all around us. It's around us in the created world. We've got here, you know, mountains and water and springs I suppose water was probably even more important to the culture in which this was written. Sometimes we get a bit tired of water falling from the sky. Um, But he gives us sunshine as well. Um, And yesterday was a glorious day for that. But he also provides things that are clearly directly for us. He provided wine that gladdens the hearts. He provides bread that sustains us. God has given us good things for enjoyment. And if we go on thinking about creation to Psalm 8, this is another one which focuses on all that God has made, but brings a slightly different spin to it. So he says this, Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you've set in place. What's mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. And it goes on, but there's this, there's a sense of us sitting in our right place. I don't know what it must have been like for those shepherds when suddenly, first of all, an angel appears to them. And then suddenly the whole sky is full of them, all praising God loudly. There must have just been an incredible sense of, of their place. They're very, very small. and Yes, they were significant because God had chosen to speak to them, but they must also have felt very, very small. And there's something right about stopping and looking around at the beauty of creation, partly because it reminds us that God is good, and partly because it reminds us of our place, which is significant, but very, very small. So my second tip for a meaningful Christmas is this. Behold beauty. I've gone for the alliteration. I thought it would make it more memorable. So we've got rest and remember. Behold beauty. Let's take time This Christmas, again it comes back to making space for it of course to see the beauty of what God has done let's not just look forward to the lion um, because we're on holiday for those who are but actually use some of that extra space to reflect on who God is and what he's done but then the third one is this this is Luke 2 And it says, this is what the angels say. We heard it in the video earlier. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then later on we have the song of the angels, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. This is an amazing combination. Good news, joy for everybody, peace on earth and a saviour. It's an incredible bit of news. But it reminds us that all of that good news is bound up in one person and one person alone. And that is Jesus Christ and it can be easy at Christmas to sometimes get a little bit into the, the sort of humanistic spirit of lot. oh lot. Aren't we all doing much better now? We can all get along. We can get the Christmas spirit flowing. Everyone can be friends. There's actually some harsh realities that counter that. Um, I don't want to dwell too long on these slides, but that's uh, death in conflict since 1400. And you can see it's not letting up. And there's some trends there, but they're not, they're not letting up. We're not suddenly getting over this sort of struggle between mankind. And even in recent times, that's the number of state-based conflicts since the end of the Second World War. And it's not letting up. And the stats say that actually the number of deaths per conflict is going down, but the number of conflicts is increasing. Our hope of peace on earth... It's not hope that really humanity is all just getting the plot and we're doing better and aren't we all great? And it's not that if we can all unite around, you know, some sort of festival or some traditions that actually we'll all be okay. Humanity's got it. Hooray, up for us. That's not what the Christmas message says. The Christmas message says that all of our hope whether it's for peace on earth whether it's for true lasting joy whether it's for that comfort that lynn was reminding us about that comes again and again what all of that hope is tied up in one person and that is jesus christ and this is what the 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 carol It Came Upon a Midnight Clear says about this, it says For lo, the days are hastening on by prophets seen of old when with the ever-circling years shall come the time foretold when Christ shall come and all shall own the Prince of Peace their King and saints shall meet him in the air and with the angels sing this is the hope that we have because right now We live in between two different times. The first one, this dot-to-dot, has now been accomplished, and you can see it in a second, but we have over here baby Jesus in the manger, depicted in masking tape, with a few extras. We've got a spontaneous star above his head. Which Oh, now, whoever thought of that, that's genius. Brilliant. (laughs) Mr. Clark, Mr. O'Connell, good skills. We have baby Jesus in the manger. This has happened... This has come, the whole world has been changed because Jesus has come to earth. But we live between that. Do we have a picture of the other one? Not yet. In a second, you can see it on the way out. We live between that and the second coming of Christ when he comes back and everything will be as it should be. Because the scriptures tell us that one day, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And in that place, there is no room for conflict and there's no room for loneliness and there's no room for sadness or sickness or death. And that is where our hope is. It's in Jesus Christ who has come and who is changing things already and who is giving us comfort and joy already, but who will come and finally put an end to everything that is wrong And bring in a time where there is always joy and always peace. And everything is in its right place. Jesus is the one we have our hope in. So there's my three reminders for a meaningful Christmas. Rest and remember why is it we do what we do. Take time to behold the beauty of God and what he's done. And let's put our hope firmly in Jesus Christ and nothing else.